Welcome to the Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Goldblitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday of Easter for the week of May 1st, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast. And boy, has that been a quick beginning of the year that we're already here in May. It's just seeming to fly by, and especially in the area that I'm in, we are still having some moments of snow. I actually am right now getting through kind of a little head cold that I've been going through. So if my voice sounds a little bit off, that's a little bit of the reason why on that. But as we are seeing, at least in the areas that I am, we're seeing signs of spring. I've seen pictures. I've been to other places, even around the state, where there is definitely more spring-like atmosphere there. And so as we're in this transition, in this time of moving towards spring and what that promise and what that brings us, that excitement that that brings. I think there's a lot of hope, a lot of exuberance, a lot of youthfulness, a lot of joy, excitement that comes with that. And so I think that's something that's worth digging into right now is we are in the season of Easter that is that in its essence. And I think it gets into a little bit of the question that we had for last week, which is how do we get to a place where we can trust? Especially like where I am at right now, trust in the weather, being able to, is it fully giving up winter or is it really moving into spring? How do we get to the point of where we can trust other people in our lives? I think it's something that we learn and we develop and it takes time and it's not quick, it's not easy. And the responses that I got back this week were kind of in that same vein. The only way to do it is time. The only way that we can really learn to trust is time. Time with people, time absorbing things, time to kind of reiterate things that are going on for us to be able to feel comfortable with what's going on. And I think that's really a great lead into where we're going this week. And I think a lot of ways that it's time, it's that trust that we takes development, that takes reaffirming things over and over again, that that's going to happen for us to feel comfortable in order to do that. So let's just jump into it this week. The first reading this week, which has to be the first reading, is out of Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 6, and optionally 7 to 20. This is the story of Saul, who then becomes Paul and Ananias. So you have Saul, who's in leadership within the church and is persecuting Christians. He then is on the way to Damascus and is blinded by a light. And gets called out by name. He asks who this is. It's Jesus and asking, why do you persecute me? And then they tell him to get up and go to the city. And he can't see. So he's being led into the city while in the city and praying. The disciple, Ananias, and is told about him. And he kind of is tentatively a little nervous, like, you know, God, this person has persecuted Christians so much. And this is where then God comes in and says, you know, no, I will protect you. I will be there. I have this figured out. Go and lay hands and tell him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the beginning of Saul becoming Paul to become one of the great prophets in the New Testament. 
The psalm this week is Psalm 30, all 12 verses of it. This is an interesting psalm. I definitely looked at some stuff on Working Preacher. This is where the person who wrote the psalm is recognizing that in their time of desperation, they cried out to God, and that's when God was there and showing up and making themselves evident. And it's in that that then the psalmist is recognizing that, you know, all these different things that have happened in my life, the good times, the bad times, God has been there. God has been directing it. It's God has been the helper in that. It's just, am I willing to recognize and take the time to acknowledge that that's what is going on? So this period of time of recognizing that God is always there and is always willing to help and work with us as long as we are able to acknowledge that and do that for ourselves also. The second reading is out of Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, the second week of 6 in Revelation. And this then, I think, is a really cool little short text, four verses, to recognize again how Revelation is so much, almost seems to be somewhat coded, but I think this one is fairly blatant, that we have the singing of, it coming from verse 12, worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And that then we hear that every knee will bow, that there is this blessing and honor forever and ever, that there's this worship of that, the lamb being reference to Christ. So this idea of how the world acknowledges what Christ did and worships what Christ did and realizes that we can't do what Christ did. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 21 verses 1 to 19. There is a lot in this text, and I'm going to try summarizing this really, really quickly, but I think there is one main point that I'm really going to hammer in, and I'm really excited about getting to it, so let's just jump into it. So here you have the disciples are by the Sea of Tiberias after Jesus had appeared to them, which we heard last week. When we have Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter says that he's going out fishing and is out in the boat. It's just about daybreak. Jesus is on the beach. The disciples don't recognize it's him. Jesus calls out to them, asking if they have any fish. They say no. Jesus then tells them, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. When they do... They come up with this great catch of fish. While doing this, Peter then realizes that it's the Lord. He's been naked in the boat, gets clothed, and jumps back into the sea. I think this is kind of a bit of almost a reference to Genesis, where when Adam and Eve, after they've done the eating of the fruit that they were told not to, that they are clothed with fig leaves. I think it's something similar because remember the last time that Peter is with Jesus and has a conversation is the conversation talking about how that Jesus calls him out for denying him. So there may be a little bit of tie-in there that could be very interesting. But as we get back to the story, they have this great catch of fish. Jesus already has a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread, tells them to bring fish. They have a huge catch of 153, and the net wasn't torn at all. Jesus invites them to come and have breakfast, and 
This is the third time that he's appearing in front of the disciples. And then we get through um, verses 15 to 19, kind of this very famous discussion of Jesus talking with Peter, asking, do you love me? And he reaffirms him that, yes, I do feed my lambs. He asks again the second time, yes, I do tend my sheep. He asks the third time, Peter feels a little bit hurt. Yes, I do feed my sheep. And then Jesus kind of comes up with, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten your belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. And then it says in verse 19, he said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. I think one other point, especially in the English translation that we can't pick up very well here, is when Jesus asked Simon Peter, does he love him? The first two times, it's more, remember, there's the five different types of love. And he's asking it in like a deep friendship love. And that's how Peter responds every single time. The third time when Jesus asks this question, it's agape love. It's the deepest love that you can have. And Peter still responds with deep friendship love. So I think that's a also an important detail to make sure that is in this text to be able to really grasp some more depth of what is actually being asked here. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug oh, Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast. I really enjoy being able to have not only their Working Preacher podcast, which I've talked to death on this podcast about having three to four different seminary professors coming out of Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. But like I referenced as we were going through the text, this week, I really enjoy being able to quickly look at some different commentaries and get some ideas on how are these constructed from different biblical scholars. So if you haven't checked out workandpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. Second of all, if you haven't checked out the, the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the Vanderbilt Divinity Library, I highly recommend that source also. I really like how they lay out all the text each week, but the big separating factor, as you probably can guess by now, is the art. Having this archive of being able to look at how different artists have interpreted these texts through time through space is super, super interesting and can really give you a unique perspective on looking at these texts. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. Why is this text so important? I think that's one of the questions that you need to ask to start with. And the reason that I would say that is what is actually going on here with the disciples? What the disciples, in my opinion, are actually going on here, and especially Simon Peter, he's going back to what he knows. He's going back to the comfortable and saying the last few years with Jesus has been absolutely crazy. It's brought me in places that I never thought I would go. 
And now that that's over, I'm setting that aside and I'm going to go back to what I know. What at probably that moment, Peter says, yep, well, that's over. Now go back to what I'm supposed to do in quotes. And we find that maybe Jesus is calling something greater, specifically out of Simon Peter. And for those of us who know the scriptures, yes, it's Peter who we build the church upon and Rome gets built off of the back of Peter. But why is this such a big deal? I think it's a big deal because it's something that we all do. We go through crazy God experiences and how often do we end up going back to exactly the same way that we were? That we are afraid of the change that may be within us now to be able to actually follow that out. That got reiterated to me this last week as I stumbled across and I'll attach a video that doesn't really quite relate There's a couple independent journalists that I really enjoy following on YouTube. And in that, it really helps give me some different perspectives, give me some unique ideas on being able to bring content in just for some entertainment value too. And there was one talking about cobalt mining in the Congo and how China has a lot of control in that and kind of asking this other independent journalist on how can something positive come from this. So that's kind of how I stumbled across her. But there was two different videos that I will attach of hers down below, Chloe Abram, talking about clean energy in a way that I have never thought of it before. One of the things, especially as being an environmentalist myself, that I have always wrestled with is the idea of we are trying to conserve, conserve, conserve. And when I look around us, the world in which I were walking ourselves into is a world that is becoming more and more energy dependent. And how then do you separate these two? How then do you make these work? And she has a great video talking about the big misconception about clean energy. It's a great video talking about Where we have been told for decades now is to conserve, conserve, conserve is because of how our energy grid has been built out. Our energy grid has been built out in the way of having non-renewable energy, thus contributing to our climate issue that we're having, is what's fueling our energy for our world. As we are able to slowly develop out renewable energy sources, the amount of energy that we're actually consuming doesn't become an issue anymore because it's not contributing to climate change anymore. It's not contributing to the climate crisis of what's going on because you have used renewable resources so that it can keep going. Thus, you have created a system that if you are consuming more energy, thus being able to have the connectedness that we're looking for, the being able to even do some carbon capture and the energy to be able to create more energy might then become more feasible for us to do. So this decoupling of the idea of having energy consumption and environmental 
climate change being opposed to each other. This idea of we could consume more energy and do it in a way that's still good for the planet to be able to allow for third world countries to be able to have the chance of getting the modern technologies that a lot of first world nations have, to be able to share these resources across the globe, to be able to help everybody have a better quality of life is been possible. And this is huge. There's another video that she talked about that I'm kind of amazed she actually came out with first because I feel like it builds off of this idea really, really well. And she titled that video, Fracking for Clean Energy. Wait, what? And this whole idea about how fracking or the hydraulic fracturing. So hydraulic fracturing is the process of drilling holes into the earth to then put down some type of substance to release and obtain more of something. So in this process of what we've known, we have this idea of hydraulic fracturing coming from that we put down a chemical to help release more oil. And really what now the studies are starting to show is that the chemicals that we're using as we're putting down there are potentially really the ones that are causing the negative side effects, the the water on fire, the, the damaging to the groundwater, to the potentially even the earthquakes and the seismic activity is coming from the chemicals that we're putting into the water. What hydraulic fracturing really is doing is when you're putting that down, you by having this fracturing of the earth, you're allowing to have more surface area and be able to obtain more leaking into an area. So this is something that now they are looking at with geothermal and seeing if we could even use closed loop or open loop systems to be able to harness some of the energy from the earth's core, aka the heat from the earth's core, and thus be able to use that to create like steam, to turn a turbine, thus create some type of like stable energy source versus something like solar or wind where they're a little bit more dependent upon something that's outside of our control, if that makes more sense. So this idea of being able to take something that's been used in a harmful manner, something that even for me, like when I was in college, talking about fracking and seeing it as a negative thing, uh, something that you don't do, but being able to look at, no, the baseline technology of what's being done here is perfectly fine. It's the chemicals that have been used in that that's so really causing the issue. So if we take the technology, use just water, which isn't going to really disrupt the system at all, and be able to use that in new and creative ways to be able to help with creating some type of consistent energy supply. Thus, then we've created and are helping make an energy grid that is more sustainable, thus getting us to that point of what we were just talking about, how having a, a system that consumes more energy is perfectly okay. So why do I bring this all up? The reason that I bring this all up is we aren't doing this much. See, the thing is, is all this technology that we have with figuring out even more efficiencies within solar and wind and renewable energy, and even these breakthroughs potentially with geothermal, these have all come in the last two decades. We now have the technology to be able to do something like this. We have the ability to be able to convert 
our energy grids into something that's more sustainable, something that allows us to be able to make a dent in one, being able to provide the energy needed, two, the potential as a first world nation, if we did it, to be leaders in the world and to help lead and show third world nations that this is very possible and showing that the technology is actually valid, and three, giving a punch to climate change in the same breath and trying to slowly cut our dependence on foreign oil and being a person who has worked in that industry before, the renewable energies industry, the empowerment that comes from being able to feel like you're producing your own energy nearby is super empowering. All these things is possible now. The issue is, is we're often like Peter, We often are retreating to what we know, what we're comfortable with, what we've been accustomed to, something that feels comfortable. Here's the issue with that. The issue with that is, one, things keep changing. And if we just keep going to the place that's comfortable, we're not changing. We're not allowing God to work with us because we are more concerned with ourselves to be comfortable. The second part of that is, We are also then not acknowledging the gifts that God has given us. At this point, we have been gifted as a global community the technology to be able to do this, to make drastic changes for the better for all of us, to become more dependent on each other in a way that we've never been dependent on each other in a good way, that we are working together to be able to create energy grids, to be able to make the well-being of people rise so that all ships sail easier, that we're making life easier for everyone by being able to create an energy grid that isn't going to hurt third world nations. We have these abilities, but how often are we like Peter and going back to fish? How often are we like Paul and even after Ananias prays and the scale-like things fall off his eyes, Paul had an option at that moment to continue to do what he had been doing or to change course. And we know that Saul, then changing to Paul, to make a drastic change within his life. We know that Peter, after this, lets go of fishing as a profession, he may have still done it on the side, but then pursues what has been trained, what has been gifted him, the things that he has learned over the last few years, instead of putting it aside and saying, well, that was a crazy few years, applying it. Because Christ has trained him in ways to be able to use these gifts to forward the mission of what Christ had set for them. How often do we have gifts that are given to us that then we decide to set aside and say, that's done. I'm done with that part of my life. I'm putting that aside. And sometimes maybe that's where God is trying to say, no, I've given you this so that you can use this. Don't go back to what you were. Don't just go back to the comfort. Take this and use it. Do something greater with this. I think that's one of the things that we often miss. We miss out on this opportunity of what Christ is trying to do for us. These things that where Christ is working and doing is, is uniquely made us us to do that. Peter is uniquely qualified and has the unique skills of being a disciple to see Jesus day in, day out, to be able to help move the church forward. And we see that in the book of Acts. 
We look at today and we are uniquely in a place where we can drastically change things for future kind in ways that we, our grandparents couldn't imagine because the technology wasn't there. We can drastically be part of this shift toward a whole new world of communication that isn't hurting the environment while doing it. By transitioning our electrical dependence on fossil fuels into renewable energy and using these technologies and things that are given to us in ways to be able to think creatively to inspire this change. You see, that's the thing with hydraulic fracturing or fracking. It's taking this idea of what we've used in a negative context, something that has been used for fossil fuels for a decade and a half, and reimagining and seeing that technology is fine. It's what we're using in it. And if we reimagine this, we can use it as geothermal. We can use this as maybe not a major part of our energy portfolio, but at least a part that have some stableness to this energy. Brothers and sisters, how often we get stuck in returning to the comfort, returning to what we know, instead of when Christ is calling us out to do something greater. We've been reaffirmed. Thomas did that work for us last week, helping to reaffirm us in what we're doing. We have the science and the technology that says this works. Now we have the difficult task of applying it. Jesus gave the message to Peter on what all these different things were and the disciples on what it means to be a follower of me. And then he's with them again after the resurrection for a period of time and then ascends it's, it's in your hands now. Do something with it. Don't just set it aside. Don't just set it aside saying that was a crazy couple years. Realize that this is a gift. Realize that this is something I've given you. Realize this is something that then needs to be applied. And yes, it may be difficult. But like we recognize in the Revelation text, that yes, the world is bowing down to Christ. The world is recognizing the things and the blessings of what Christ has done. We then need to be able to recognize the blessings that are coming to us. And that is also the theme of the psalm. Recognize that we cry out to God. That also means we need to be able to use the things that then God is telling us to use. So my question for you this week is where are you going to give up the comfortable to pursue where God is steering you? Where are you going to give up the comfortable to go where God is steering you? Because that's hard. That's challenging. That's life work. That's not individual work. That's life work. That's what Christ has called us to do. Called us as a church to do. The difficult decisions. The ones that, this is going to be hard, but we need to do it. We're uniquely qualified to be able to do this. We have the ability to be able to do this. And there's no better time than right now to do it. It's going to mean drastic changes. It's going to mean reimagining things. It's going to make things difficult for a while, but it's going to be better in the long run because we did it. Sometimes the easy route isn't the best route, and we know that. We see that time and time again. There's something about the challenge of life, going through the difficult things within even science the same way, that that brings out the best in us. And I'd argue it's because that's what Christ has made us to be able to do. Because Christ wants the best for us. But that also means that Christ has challenges for us along the way. Not to test us, but to understand that Christ is still walking alongside us. 
It's this resurrection moment again and again and again in the challenge. Recognizing that it's not only our strength, but it's the Holy Spirit working within us that allows us to keep going. Allows us to tackle these difficult things. Allows us to understand that the difficulty of converting into a renewable energy system is hard. Yes. But is it possible? Yes. You have the technology now. And the more you work with it, the easier you'll get. The more you do it, the easier you will find to get to that place. Are we up for the challenge? Or are we going to sit and go back to the comfort and then lose the gift that Christ gave us? I would argue that we don't know the name of Simon Peter if he continues to be a fisherman. We know Simon Peter because of what Simon Peter then continued to do after Christ was gone. Realizing that this is a lifelong journey, not just a few year adventure. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.